life cycle. The product life cycle. So this is the product life cycle. Introduction. So there's four stages in the product life cycle according to this model. Introduction, growth, maturity, and decline. Right, Kimberly? Now I'm going to tell you something that's not in the book. I tell you a lot of things that aren't in the book, in case you didn't notice. I know students say, what, what page is that on? It's not on any page in the book. Obsolescence. And this. What's that? You say, coach, I've never seen that before. Yes, revitalization. Introduction, growth, maturity, and decline. For the purpose of the exam, introduction, growth, maturity, and decline is what you need to know. But for your success as a marketer, you need to understand that at some point, the product might reach obsolescence, like eight-track players. I don't think that's going to have any revitalization. Or what about um, VHS players? Do you think it's reached obsolescence yet? Kind of, sort of. Betamax. Betamax. Is every product going to follow this model precisely? No. But What's important for us as marketers to take away is that directionally, a product is going to follow this life cycle. Oh, there's a lot of products that have become obsolete. As marketers, what we need to do, our challenge is to manage this life cycle. So this is the product life cycle. So knowing, knowing that a product is going to follow this life cycle, we need to work hard to keep growth, to keep sales growing. We should anticipate that it's going to reach a level of maturity, which means what? That over time, that sales are no longer increasing. <coughs> we want to prevent that from happening. So we need to continue to introduce what? Line extensions, for example. Advertising. Spend more on advertising, etc. So again, our challenge is to manage the product life cycle. It's not interesting, can't be just interesting. We know that the life cycle of a product is going to follow this pattern according to this model, which is tremendously insightful. We need to do something about it. We know that it's going to reach a point where sales are going to plateau. Sales are going to stop increasing. We want to keep that from happening, right? And importantly, keep sales from declining. We may need to cannibalize our own sales, which means that, you know what? Introducing a DVD player is going to dramatically reduce our sales of VHS players, but we have to do that. Because if Sony doesn't do it, another company will. So introducing DVD players may not result in incremental sales. In fact, 
it may cannibalize our sales, but we need to be preemptive in cannibalizing our own sales. What was that? Isn't that what Polaroid fails to do? Polaroid, exactly. Yes, um, so, and those that will provide fresh breath. That's interesting. But, it's what we do with that information that's powerful. So what would we do with that information? Introduce a new product. Introduce a product that now has a feature that, when used, will whiten your teeth will fight plaque, will fight tartar. So it can't just be interesting. It's got to be something that's actionable. We don't just do segmentation because it's intriguing. It's got to be something that is going to result in us achieving our goals, increasing our market share, increasing our sales. We said, what, we're going to increase our sales by $20 million, improve our profitability by $5 million. So those are some bases that we could use to segment the market. What is the criteria? So how do we know what criteria we should use when forming segments? So what would be one of them? One of them is what? Is Large, which the book says is substantial. Is that right? Yeah. So large. The segment should be large. When we decide, when we're looking at um, potential segments, we want the segment to be large. We want it to be reachable. should be accessible. The segment has got to be accessible. When we say reachable, that means are we going to be able to reach them with our marketing communi communications? So are they accessible? That's what that means. Are they going to be exposed to our TV commercials, to our print ads, to our radio spots, to our billboards? Are they reachable? And then um, Shanae said, well, really before large, really a segment should be measurable. And if it's measurable, if it's measurable, then after we measure it, we want it to be large. So it's got to be measurable. It's got to be a segment that we could measure, which is what? That market sizing. We have to be able to quantify the size of the market. And then Elena said, another criteria is? Um, be able to distinguish. So it has to be differentiable. What does that mean? That within the segment, within the segment, the needs and wants of the consumer have got to be homogeneous, which means the same. The needs and wants of the consumers in any given segment should be the same. 
Now, amongst the segments, the needs and wants are going to be different. So what would be an example? Well, we said one segment wants teeth whitening. All right, so their needs and wants are homogeneous. They're the same. But then we have another segment that we identified that wants fresh breath. That's a different segment. That segment also has similar needs and wants. And importantly, they respond to the marketing mix in the same way. So they respond to the four Ps in the same way. That means that, for example, they'll purchase the product at a given price. Or maybe they shop. Ideally, they shop at similar channels. Like, for example, what would be an example of a channel distribution? We'll talk about that in a minute. Mass merchants, department stores, grocery stores, drug stores. Those are different channels of distribution. So when we say place, one of the four Ps, place, which means distribution, those would be examples.